0: Greetings, friends. It's January 21st, and this is the One Year Bible Tour Guide podcast, where each day we read daily portions from the Old and New Testaments, the Book of Psalms, and Proverbs, so that we will have read all 66 books in just 365 days. My name is David McAdam, pastor and Bible teacher at New Life Community Church in Concord, Massachusetts, and I am pleased to be once again reading through the Bible this year. My hope is that I can serve as your tour guide, pointing out highlights and making observations that I believe you should not miss, giving you the context and the desire to dig deeper and observe the unifying themes of Scripture. Each day our heart cry is to say, Lord, open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things in your word. We are continuing with the story of Joseph, Jacob's son, and seeing how, though his brothers meant it for evil... God had a plan to use his suffering for the good. He's being tested during his trials and being prepared to be raised up to be one who brings salvation to his people. During a time of famine, Joseph's brothers have come to Egypt to get food and Joseph recognizes them. They do not recognize him and he is testing them. They have been jailed for three days and now they're going to appear before him. So let's get started. Genesis chapter 42 beginning with verse 18 and I'm reading from the English Standard Version. On the third day, Joseph said to them, Do this, and you will live, for I fear God. If you are honest men, let one of your brothers remain confined where you are in custody, and let the rest go and carry grain for the famine of your households, and bring your youngest brother to me, so your words will be verified, and you shall not die. And they did so. Then they said to one another, In truth, we are guilty concerning our brother, in that we saw the distress of his soul when he begged us, and we did not listen. That is why this distress has come upon us. And Reuben answered them, Did I not tell you not to sin against the boy? But you did not listen, so now there comes a reckoning for his blood. They did not know that Joseph understood them, for there was an interpreter between them. Then he turned away from them and wept. And he returned to them and spoke to them, and he took Simeon from them and bound him before their eyes. And Joseph gave orders to fill their bags with grain and to replace every man's money in his sack and to give them provisions for the journey. This was done for them. Then they loaded their donkeys with their grain and departed. And as one of them opened his sack to give his donkey fodder at the lodging place, he saw his money in the mouth of his sack. He said to his brothers, My money has been put back. Here it is in the mouth of my sack. At this their hearts failed them, and they turned trembling to one another, saying, What is this that God has done to us? When they came to Jacob their father in the land of Canaan, they told him all that had happened to them, saying, The man, the lord of the land, spoke roughly to us, and took us to be spies of the land. But we said to him, We are honest men. We have never been spies. We are twelve brothers, sons of our father. One is no more, and the youngest is this day with our father in the land of Canaan. Then the man, the lord of the land, said to us, By this I shall know that you are honest men. Leave one of your brothers with me, and take grain for the famine of your households, and go your way. Bring your youngest brother to me. Then I shall know that you are not spies, but honest men, and I will deliver your brother to you, and you shall trade in the land. As they emptied their sacks, behold, every man's bundle of money was in his sack. And when they and their father saw their bundles of money, they were afraid. And Jacob their father said to them, You have bereaved me of my children. Joseph is no more, and Simeon is no more. And now you would take Benjamin? All this has come against me. Then Reuben said to his father, Kill my two sons if I do not bring him back to you. Put him in my hands and I will bring him back to you. But he said, My son shall not go down with you, for his brother is dead and he is the only one left. If harm should happen to him on the journey that you are to make, you would bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to Sheol. Chapter 43 Now the famine was severe in the land, and when they had eaten the grain that they had brought from Egypt, their father said to them, Go again, buy us a little food. But Judah said to him, The man solemnly warned us, saying, You shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. If you will send our brother with us, we will go down and buy you food. But if you will not send him, we will not go down, for the man has said to us, You shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. Israel said, Why did you treat me so badly as to tell the man that you had another brother? They replied, The man questioned us carefully about ourselves and our kindred, saying, Is your father still alive? Do you have another brother? What we told was an answer to these questions. Could we in any way know that he would say, Bring your brother down? And Judah said to Israel his father, Send the boy with me and we will arise and go, that we may live and not die, both we and you and also your little ones. I will be a pledge of his safety. From my hand you shall require him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him before you, then let me bear the blame forever. If we had not delayed, we would now have returned twice. Then their father Israel said to them, If it must be so, then do this. Take some of the choice fruits of the land in your bags, and carry a present down to the man, a little balm and a little honey, gum, myrrh, pistachio nuts, and almonds. Take double the money with you, carry back with you the money that was returned in the mouth of your sacks. Perhaps it was an oversight. Take also your brother, and arise, go again to the man. May God Almighty grant you mercy before the man, and may he send back your other brother and Benjamin. And as for me, if I am bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. So the men took this present, and they took double the money with them, and Benjamin. They arose and went down to Egypt, and stood before Joseph. When Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the steward of his house, Bring the men into the house, and slaughter an animal and make ready, for the men are to dine with me at noon. The man did as Joseph told him and brought the men to Joseph's house. And the men were afraid because they were brought to Joseph's house, and they said, It is because of the money which was replaced in our sacks the first time that we are brought in, so that he may assault us and fall upon us to make us servants and seize our donkeys. So they went up to the steward of Joseph's house and spoke with him at the door of the house, and said, O my Lord, we came down the first time to buy food, And when we came to the lodging place, we opened our sacks, and there was each man's money in the mouth of his sack, our money in full weight. So we have brought it again with us, and we have brought other money down with us to buy food. We do not know who put our money in our sacks. He replied, Peace to you. Do not be afraid. Your God, and the God of your father, has put treasure in your sacks for you. I received your money. Then he brought Simeon out to them, and when the man had brought the men into Joseph's house and given them water, and they had washed their feet, and when he had given their donkeys fodder, they prepared the present for Joseph's coming at noon, for they heard that they should eat bread there. When Joseph came home, they brought into the house to him the present that they had with them, and bowed down to him to the ground. And he inquired about their welfare, and said, Is your father well? THE OLD MAN OF WHOM YOU SPOKE? IS HE STILL ALIVE? THEY SAID, YOUR SERVANT OUR FATHER IS WELL. HE IS ALIVE. AND THEY BOWED THEIR HEADS AND PROSTRATED THEMSELVES. AND HE LIFTED UP HIS EYES AND SAW HIS BROTHER BENJAMIN, HIS MOTHER'S SON, AND SAID, IS THIS YOUR YOUNGEST BROTHER, OF WHOM YOU SPOKE TO ME? GOD BE GRACIOUS TO YOU, MY SON. THEN JOSEPH HURRIED OUT, FOR HIS COMPASSION GREW WARM FOR HIS BROTHER, and he sought a place to weep, and he entered his chamber and wept there. Then he washed his face and came out, and controlling himself he said, Serve the food. They served him by himself, and them by themselves, and the Egyptians who ate with them by themselves, because the Egyptians could not eat with the Hebrews, for that is an abomination to the Egyptians. And they sat before him, the firstborn according to his birthright, and the youngest according to his youth. And the men looked at one another in amazement. Portions were taken to them from Joseph's table, but Benjamin's portion was five times as much as any of theirs. And they drank and were merry with him. The book of Genesis tells the story of how Joseph becomes the savior of his people. His life story points to the greater Joseph, Jesus of Nazareth, who is the greater and truer savior, the Savior of the world, in John chapter 4, verse 41, and in 1 John chapter 4, verse 14. Notice the parallels between the lives of Joseph and Jesus. Joseph was the well-beloved of his father. His status provoked the jealousy of his brothers, and they wanted to kill him. He was sent by his father with a message for his brothers, but they despised him. He was stripped of his raiment and punished undeservedly, and delivered, potentially, to his death. He is sold for twenty pieces of silver. He is delivered into the hands of the Gentiles. He becomes a servant. He was tempted, yet without sinning. He was falsely accused. He makes no defense. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. He was numbered with the transgressors. He would be the savior of one of them, the king's cupbearer, and the judge of the other, the king's baker. He correctly interprets history before it happens he was exalted at the right hand of the majesty on the throne that is pharaoh he is given a new name and a gentile bride joseph's brothers approached him because they need food he recognizes them but they do not recognize him many come to jesus only because they have particular needs they need bread he can feed the multitudes but he is much more than a feeder he is the bread of life However, Jesus insists that those who come to Him must come on His terms and not on their own. In John 6 verses 34 to 58, Joseph makes clear the terms by which his brothers are to appeal to him. They are to be obedient to his demands if they expect him to save them. Otherwise, they will never see his face again. In Genesis 42:16, Joseph has the ability to be their savior but they must first recognize their sin, repent of their sin, recognize who Joseph is, and receive his forgiveness. Just as Jesus speaks of the need for genuine conversion, saying that unless we repent, we shall all perish, in Luke 13 verse 5, in Luke 24 verse 47, and in Acts 17 verse 30, Joseph knows his brothers need to realize their need for redemption and true reconciliation. They must recognize both their sin and their Savior. Joseph demonstrates God's wisdom and gives them the gift of repentance. At first, he gives his brothers some hard sayings. There must be some recognition of how their sin has grieved their father and how they still walk in darkness. When Joseph questions them, the brothers at first defend themselves as being honest men. Yet they continue in their cover-up story boldly lying to the one they had beaten, bruised, abandoned to the pit, and sold into slavery. Joseph makes the hard request that they go back to their father and bring their younger brother Benjamin back with them to Egypt. Unless they do so, they will never see Joseph's face again, and their hope for salvation will be lost. In Genesis 42, verse 15, Joseph says, By this you will be tested. We must be willing to prove that we love the light, more than darkness, by coming to the light. In Ephesians five, verse thirteen and fourteen. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light, for everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason it says, Awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. In John three nineteen, Jesus said, This is the judgment that the light has come into the world, and men loved the darkness more than the light, for their deeds were evil. Joseph needs to help his brothers to sorrow for their sin. They must recognize what their sin did to him. We need to see what our sins did to Jesus. It was our sins that put Jesus on the cross. He was pierced through for our transgressions. Hebrews 12, verse 7, It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? joseph puts his brothers into prison for three days a small sample of what joseph endured for many years ultimately at their hand in second corinthians 7 verse 9 we read i now rejoice not that you were made sorrowful but that you were made sorrowful to the point of repentance for you were made sorrowful according to the will of god so that you might not suffer loss in anything through us for the sorrow that is according to the will of god produces a repentance without regret leading to salvation but the sorrow of the world produces death. Joseph revises his plan and determines to keep one in prison, and the rest will return to their father with grain and bring their youngest brother Benjamin back to Egypt. His brothers begin to feel convicted about their sin while they speak to one another in prison. In Genesis 42, verses 21 to 22, they said to one another, Truly we are guilty concerning our brother, because we saw the distress of his soul when he pleaded with us, yet we would not listen Therefore, this distress has come upon us. Reuben answered them, saying, Did I not tell you, do not sin against the boy? And you would not listen. Now comes the reckoning for his blood. Joseph tests their honesty further. He secretly places the money they had used to purchase the grain in Egypt back in their sacks. Would they appear to have taken something that had not been paid for? In the end, their food supply, their salvation, would be seen to be credited to them as a gift all of grace. When his brothers return to Jacob with the grain, they witness once again the grief their sin against Joseph had caused their father. Because of this grief, their father is resistant to the idea of their taking Benjamin back with them to make their request for food from Joseph. When the reality sets in that their food supply is running out, and that they are all doomed to perish, Jacob relinquishes Benjamin. Judah having offered to take full responsibility for Benjamin's safety. They recognize that they can only approach the throne and receive grace to help in this time of need if they approach on the terms spelled out for them by Joseph. You can see how that correlates with the book of Hebrews chapter 4 verses 15 and 16. The stakes get higher when the brothers appear in Egypt as Joseph sets up a situation in which it looks like Benjamin has stolen his silver cup. This cup becomes the means of bringing forth a solid confession from the brothers. When they hear that a cup has been stolen from Joseph's household, one of the brothers says, Far be it from your servants to do such a thing, as if their hearts were upright in all things. They add, With whomever of your servants it is found, let him die and we also will be my Lord's slaves. Joseph says that only the man in whose possession the cup has been found shall be his slave. When the planted silver cup is found to be in Benjamin's sack, it causes untold grief among the brothers, and they must now make confession of their guilt and shame. So Judah said, What can we say, my Lord? What can we speak? And how can we justify ourselves? God has found out the iniquity of your servants. Behold, we are my Lord's slaves, both we and the one in whose possession the cup has been found. Joseph is about to make himself known to his brothers as their Lord and Savior. And that revelation will be made plain tomorrow in our reading. Now let's read from the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13, verses 47-47 through chapter 14 verse 12 yesterday we explained some of the parables as Jesus made them known to his disciples so we're picking up in verse 47 with the parable of the net again the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind when it was full men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers but threw away the bad So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? They said to him, Yes. And he said to them, Therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. and they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own household. And he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Chapter 14. At that time Herod the Tetrarch heard about the fame of Jesus, and he said to his servants, This is John the Baptist. He has been raised from the dead, That is why these miraculous powers are at work in him. For Herod had seized John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because John had been saying to him, it is not lawful for you to have her. And though he wanted to put him to death, he feared the people because they held him to be a prophet. But when Herod's birthday came, the daughter of Herodias danced before the company and pleased Herod, so that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she might ask. Prompted by her mother, she said, Give me the head of John the Baptist here on a platter. And the king was sorry, but because of his oaths and his guests, he commanded it to be given. He sent and had John beheaded in the prison, and his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl. And she brought it to her mother. And his disciples came and took the body and buried it. And they went and told Jesus. As we've been reading through the New Testament, we've come across a number of Herods. Warren Wearsby offers this clarification about the Herods of the New Testament that I thought would be a helpful complement to today's reading Quote, The Herod family looms large in the four Gospels and the book of Acts, and it is easy to confuse the various rulers. Herod the Great founded the dynasty, and ruled from 37 BC to 4 BC. He was not a true Jew by birth, but was an Edomite, a descendant of Esau. He was a heathen in practice and a monster in character, according to the Unger's Bible Dictionary. He had nine wives, some say ten, and he thought nothing of slaying his own sons or wives if they got in the way of his plans. It was he who had the infants slain in Bethlehem. In Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 to 18. Herod Antipas, the Herod of this chapter, was a son of Herod the Great. His title was Tetrarch, which means ruler over the fourth part of the kingdom. He ruled from 4 BC to 39 AD, and his rule was deceptive and selfish. He loved luxury and was very ambitious to become a great ruler. Herod Agrippa, is the Herod who imprisoned the Apostle Peter and killed James in the book of Acts, chapter 12. He was a grandson of Herod the Great. Herod Agrippa II was the Herod who tried Paul in Acts, chapter 25, verse 13. He was a son of Agrippa I. All of the Herods had Edomite blood in them, and like their ancestor Esau, they were hostile to the Jews see Genesis chapter 25, verses 19 and following. They practiced the Jewish religion when it helped fulfill their plans for gaining more power and wealth. Herod Antipas was guilty of gross sin. He had eloped with Herodias, the wife of his half-brother Philip the I, divorcing his own wife and sending her back to her father, the king of Petra. In Leviticus 18.16 and Leviticus 20.21, 20, shows the severity of this. Herod listened to the voice of temptation and plunged himself into terrible sin. In Matthew 14, we recognize that Herod was warned by the following voices. First, the voice of John the Baptist. Boldly, John the Baptist warned Herod and called him to repent. John knew that the sin of a ruler would only pollute the land and make it easier for others to sin and that God would judge the sinners. In Malachi chapter 3 verse 5, We must commend John for his courage in naming sin and denouncing it. Israel was God's covenant nation, and the sins of the rulers, even though they were unbelievers, would bring the chastening of God. Instead of listening to God's servant and obeying God's word, Herod arrested John and imprisoned him. John was put in the fortress of Machaerus, located about four miles east of the Dead Sea. It stood 3,500 feet above sea level on a rocky ridge that was accessible from only one side. It was Herodias, Herod's wife, who held the grudge against John. We can see this in Mark 6, verse 19. And she influenced her husband to have John killed. She plotted to have her teenage daughter perform a lascivious dance at Herod's birthday feast. Herodias knew that her husband would succumb to her daughter's charms and make some rash promise to her. She also knew that Herod would want to save face before his friends and officials. The plot worked, and John the Baptist was slain. Secondly, there was the voice of conscience in verses 1 and 2. When Herod heard the marvelous works of Jesus, he was sure that John had been raised from the dead. His conscience was troubling him, and neither his wife nor his friends could console him the voice of conscience is a powerful voice and it can be the voice of god to those who will listen instead of heeding his conscience herod determined to kill jesus just as he had killed john some pharisees probably in on the plot warned jesus that herod wanted to kill him in luke 13 verses 31 and 32 but john was not disturbed by the report the word fox in Luke 13:32 is feminine. Jesus said, go tell that vixen. Was he perhaps referring to Herodias, the real power behind the throne? So not only do we have the voice of John the Baptist warning Herod and the voice of conscience, but there's also the voice of Jesus in Luke chapter 23, verses 6 to 11. When he finally did meet Jesus, Herod found that the Son of God was silent to him Herod had silenced the voice of God. Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. And then we have the voice of history. Herod should have known that he could not get away with his sin. History records that Herod lost prestige and power. His armies were defeated by the Arabs, and his appeals to be made king, urged by his wife, were refused by Emperor Caligula. Herod was banished to Gaul, that's France, and then Spain. Where he died and once again in those particular paragraphs i'm quoting from warren Wearsby's b series on the new testament the bible exposition commentary now let's read from the book of psalms we're continuing in psalm 18 and we're picking up from verses 16 and going to read through to verse 34. he sent from on high he took me he drew me out of many waters He rescued me from my strong enemy and from those who hated me, for they were too mighty for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a broad place. He rescued me because He delighted in me. The Lord dealt with me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands He rewarded me, for I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his rules were before me, and his statutes I did not put away from me. I was blameless before him, and I kept myself from guilt. So the Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands in his sight. With the merciful, you show yourself merciful. With the blameless man, you show yourself blameless. With the purified, you show yourself pure. And with the crooked, you make yourself seem torturous. For you save a humble people, but the haughty eyes you bring down. For it is you who light my lamp. The Lord my God lightens my darkness. For by you I can run against a troop, and by my God I can leap over a wall. This God, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in Him. For who is God but the Lord, and who is a rock except our God? the God who equipped me with strength and made my way blameless. He made my feet like the feet of a deer and set me secure on the heights. He trains my hands for war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have given me the shield of your salvation, and your right hand supported me, and your gentleness made me great. You gave a wide place for my steps under me, and my feet did not slip as we have been learning, Psalm 18 is a psalm of deliverance. David is singing of the Lord who delivered him from his enemy, King Saul. David's song becomes our song of deliverance as we too have been rescued from our enemies. We have been rescued from sin's penalty and are being delivered from sin's power. We can sing the words of the hymn, Amazing Grace, Through many dangers, toils, and snares we have already come. Tis grace that brought us safe this far, and grace will lead us home. The Apostle Paul speaks of the deliverance of believers in both the past and future tenses. In 2 Corinthians 1.9 he says, Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a peril of death and will deliver us he on whom we have set our hope, and he will yet deliver us. In Psalm 18, verses 16 to 19, David speaks of his rescue. It comes from outside himself. It is sent from on high. In verses 20 to 24, he speaks of his reward. He is rewarded on the basis of his righteousness. And David's righteousness comes from outside himself, a righteousness that is not earned, but given as a gift, In Psalm 32, he will speak of the blessed condition of a man whose transgression is forgiven and to whom the Lord will not impute iniquity. The gospel application is that we are rewarded because of the righteousness of a greater David, the Lord Jesus Christ, whom God has made to be for us our righteousness, in 1 Corinthians 1.30 and in 2 Corinthians 5.21 and Jeremiah 23.6 and Jeremiah 33.16. This righteousness is imputed to those who believe God's promise. Verses 25-27 to teaches the principle of reciprocity. If we respond to God's compassion with compassion, we will find in our experience that God is even more compassionate towards us. Is it because we have experienced it that we are more likely to recognize it, show it, and grow in it? To the kind He will show Himself to be kind, To the merciful, he will show himself to be merciful. To the faithful, he will show himself to be faithful. To the pure, he will show himself to be pure. Those who recognize God's kindness will show kindness and recognize God's kindness towards them in greater degrees. Our attitude towards God has much to do with our receptivity. It works the other way also. To the man who is perverse, who crosses the purposes of God, he will find that God is working at cross-purposes with him. It is important that we do not harden our hearts towards God. Verses 28 to 34 of Psalm 18 spells out the various resources that God uses to bring about our deliverance. His light in verse 28, His strength in verse 29, He enables us to excel in our abilities and overcomes obstacles. His ways which are blameless, His word which is tried and true and pure in verse 30, His dealings with us as He shapes us, fitting us for our tasks, equipping us and training us, in verse 34. And now let us read from Proverbs chapter 4, verses 7 to 10. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom, and whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. Hear, my son, and accept my words, that the years of your life may be many. So let's be proactive in studying the truth as it is in Christ Jesus. Hide the word in your heart. Walk in the light that he gives you. Put wisdom on display. Let's pray together. Thank you, Father, for your faithful dealings in our lives. Thank you for showing us our sin and our need for a Savior your Holy Son, Jesus, by whose atoning death on the cross we are delivered from the sentence of death. Thank you that you have delivered us and will deliver us. Thank you for the sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit, the renewal of our minds through your Holy Word, fellowship with believers, and your faithful dealings in our lives. These help us to grow in grace, to battle temptations, and to pursue righteousness. In Jesus' name, Amen been a blessing to be reading the Word of God together with you today, and God willing, we'll be back tomorrow as we press on with the one-year Bible tour. I always like to remind you that we provide a free service, sending out a daily email with a written copy of our commentary on each day's reading with color maps, charts, and illustrations that folks find helpful. You can subscribe to this free email by going to our website, newlife.org. And you can always contact us by email as our email address is podcast at newlife.org. We are happy to answer your questions, receive your feedback and comments, or learn more about how we can be praying for you. Also, you can help us in our mission to spread the word of God through this podcast by indicating it's a blessing to you, subscribing wherever you get your podcasts, leaving a review, or giving us a like. We trust that the rest of your day be full of inspiration and that you will seize each moment as a gift from God and share the joy. May the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Shalom.